Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 97 of the OCR Underground Show. I am your host, Mike Diebler. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and making this a part of your OCR training routine. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, uh, to check out any of the links mentioned in the episode, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 97. Well, this previous weekend, I am, I'm really excited. I got to get my first OCR done of the year, um, and it's been a while. Last year was pretty light, just coming over injuries, busy schedule, uh, just couldn't make a whole lot of races happen. So my goal for this year is really to step that up a little bit and make sure I can um, get uh, at least a couple different races in there. So this this weekend was the Epic Series. Um, I've uh, discussed this with um, um, Coach uh, Brian Tremaine on previous episodes, actually a long time ago, um, and I finally got the chance to uh, participate in this one, which uh, was a lot of fun. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to uh, some of the uh, older podcasts where we talk specifically about Epic Series and what you can expect, but I figured why not start this episode with a with a rundown on on what this race was like, if it's something that you might might uh, consider doing in the future. I know they have uh, different races throughout the year. I think it's primarily on the West Coast, but it may may expand. Never know. So um, this race kind of composed uh, two parts. Uh, really, could do uh, just one. They have an obstacle course, and then uh, and then their elite series, which is kind of like a strongman competition. So you, everyone has to do the obstacle course, which, uh, it is about a two mile run total. I, I believe they said, so it's pretty short. Um, <clears throat> and once you complete the obstacle course, then you move on to, uh, the next part, or you can just participate in the, in the first obstacle course. Uh, it was, uh, really fun. Um, a, a great event really for all levels. Um, I think this was a great introduction to obstacle course racing. I had a couple of clients that have never done one before and they were thinking about trying it out. Not quite sure they were ready for something like a Spartan race or Tough Mudder, um, but, you know, just kind of wanted to get their toes wet and uh, heard about this one and, and did it. And, and really, I've only heard uh, good things that people really had a positive experience, really had fun with it. And how the obstacle course was set up, it was uh, kind of like these short loops that you would run um, or, or have to carry things around. And uh, in between, there were lanes of, of a couple different obstacles and they had a wall loop. So um, it would consist of, you know, some kind of run. So in the beginning, you have to run with uh, carrying a flag. And then um, once you complete your lap, you'll go down kind of the first lane, complete a few obstacles. And at each obstacle, there are different levels. It's all color coded. So it might be, um, you know, different weights, different repetitions of exercises that you would do. And uh, and then you, you just kind of move through it. So um, and then you might have to do a carry. So your second loop, you might be doing a farmer's carry or a slosh pipe carry or a keg carry. Uh, all sorts of fun things like that. And then um, 
you would just uh, make your way through the course. So uh, really fun. It was uh, pretty well laid out. It would have been nice to have a few more volunteers. Some of it, you know, if you uh, weren't sure what you were doing, you'd have to stop and kind of read the directions and uh, definitely could slow you down if you were trying to go for, for speed. If, if you were just out there to have fun, it really wasn't a big deal at all. You're just kind of making your way, way through it. So uh, really, really fun event. And then um, once you finished, you moved on to their uh, Elite Series, which uh, they had three categories for both men and women. And that was the uh, the uh, the sh uh, strength, uh, endurance, or the average Joe and Jane. Um, I elected to do the average Joe and Jane. It's been a while since I've done anything like this. Weather conditions were not great. Actually, it was uh, starting to rain pretty good by the time I, I got to go. Um, so I was pretty excited that I, I didn't pick anything more intense. Um, but even that, that category for me was, uh, I thought it was a good challenge. Um, so, uh, essentially what the, uh, course involved was a series as a, a series of exercises that you had to get through as, as fast as possible. And then they would combine your time between the obstacle course race and then this, uh, strength portion. So um, it started with a truck pull. So you'd hook a, a vest on and um, just have to carry or, or drag that truck for uh, a distance. Wasn't wasn't too bad, not too far. Uh, although as it started to rain, that made it a little bit little bit trickier. Um, and then um, from there, you would run to your lane, uh, which you know, like I said, the different categories that that they had. And then it involved um, a floor to ceiling or, you know, like a, a clean and press. Uh, then it was deadlifts. Um, after the deadlifts, you went to a, a sandbag lunge walk. And uh, from there, it was a, a sandbag toss over a wall. Then you'd have to jump over the wall and um, uh, Pick the, pick the bag up, throw it back over. So you had to go back and forth. Uh, from there, it was uh, kind of uh, step ups. There's two two steps you had to alternate. So kind of like a farmer's carry with a with a step up. And um, then it was a uh, sandbag shoulder toss. Um, and then uh, finally a tire flip. So it was um, basically just making your way through that as as fast as you could. Um, the the weights were 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 challenging. I mean, um, especially if you're not used to doing some of those things and you're going for speed. So, you know, it was not, um, nothing too crazy, but I thought for where I was, it was perfect, perfect starting point. So for, for example, for men in the, in the average, um, average Joe category that, uh, after that truck pull, you're doing that clean and press with 105 pounds, uh, for 10 reps, uh, deadlifts, 155 for 10 reps, the sandbag lunge using a 100-pound sandbag for 10 reps. Uh, again, for the sandbag up and over with that uh, wall, I believe it was about a five-foot wall with that 100-pound sandbag. Uh, Step-ups, 45 pounds in each hand for 10 step-ups uh, with that carry. 100-pound uh, shoulder toss for the uh, sandbag toss. And then finally, a 200-pound uh, tire. So that was all the uh, um, the weights for that category, but it got pretty heavy. I mean, there was not a whole lot of people doing the um, the uh, strength series. Uh, I can't remember all of the weights. Um, if I can look it up real quick, so that involved for uh, for men, the strength category had to do one eighty five clean and press. Women had to do one thirty five. 
Uh, if you're doing the endurance, you so the strength you do five reps, endurance you're doing ten reps. Uh, women were doing, um, uh, excuse me, the men were doing one eighty five for five reps. Women were doing one oh five uh, for endurance. Men were doing one thirty five, and women were doing seventy five. Uh, deadlift was three fifteen for the strong. Um, women were doing one eighty five, endurance one eighty five for men and 135 for for women so um it was it was pretty intense i mean 150 pound sandbag for the lunge walk um for the guys uh, girls were using um uh 100 pound bag and uh yeah so i don't have to go through all of them but it, it was uh some pretty heavy weight so it but it was nice to have the different categories to uh to kind of go to your level so this is a this portion definitely something that you would want a little bit of specific training for um, if you're going to do something like this. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I would definitely do it again. Um, I would love to step it up and do some of those heavier weights. Uh, but I, like I said, I would love to put a little bit of more training in um, specifically for those lifts. So I, I would be ready for, for some of those heavier weights. Um, so uh, check out epicseriesocr.com and you can see where their events are. Um, but like I said, it was a fun, fun event. And if you have anybody that you are just trying to get introduced to uh, OCR, um, might be a great event to uh, kind of get them out there and, and see what what it's all about, even if they don't do that second portion. But like I said, the first one was for for all levels there. Um, so let's move on uh, in today's episode. As always, have some great topics for you. Uh, in my research review, I'm going to talk about how to improve your VO2 max. Um, so that maximum aerobic capacity is obviously going to be an important piece to your endurance performance. So we're going to talk about different intensities and what works best for training your V or improving your VO2 max. In the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I'm going to talk about breath work. Uh, breath work has become really popular. Um, and I think sometimes it's a little tricky on uh, for some people to incorporate it into their training. So I want to talk about a few different ways, really simple ways on how you can start incorporating breath work into your uh, everyday training. And then finally, in my interview today, I am going to be chatting with uh, Crystal McConnell, and she's getting ready to do the uh, winter death race. So we talked a little bit about why she wants to do that and put herself through through uh, some of those challenging things they're going to have to do, and uh, just a little bit on her kind of philosophy and how she's approaching this uh, this pretty tough event. Uh, but before we get into today's episode, I do want to also let you know about the sponsors of today's show for helping make this all possible. Um, I'm going to actually tell you about a uh, gift that I just sent my dad for his birthday. He recently underwent his second knee replacement surgery. Uh, he's in pretty good shape. But after his first one, he had a really rough recovery, a lot of pain, took a while for him to get his range of motion back and his strength levels back, and and he really struggled. So I sent him uh, to help him recover a little faster for this one. from this one. Uh, I sent him some heel from the Amino Company. So obviously dealing with injuries and dealing with, with surgery are, are not fun. Uh, it's a lot of work, and uh, but they happen, right? And it's something that we have to plan for. And while the body is uh, going to heal, our goal is to recover and bounce back as fast as possible so we can get back to doing the things that we love to do and getting back into training. Uh, amino acids are clinically proven to accelerate muscle repair and growth faster than any protein source. 
uh, heal by the amino company uh, has 100% science-backed formula with uh, which was originally formulated for astronauts to help maintain muscle mass. Um, I've used it to deal with uh, overcoming a few injuries that I've, I've had recently, and I'm excited for my dad to test it out and hopefully have a much faster and better recovery uh, than he did after that first surgery. So uh, obviously nutrition plays a vital role in the body's healing process after injury and amino acids are going to be incredibly helpful in this whole process. Uh, heals clinically proven to help manage inflammation levels, three times more efficient at triggering muscle, pro uh, muscle growth and repair than other protein sources. Sources. Uh, it's keto-friendly, soy-free, vegetarian, gluten-free, non-GMO. You can check out this product as well as the science behind it by visiting aminoco.com slash OCR. And don't forget to use code OCR to save 30% on your order. And I also want to tell you guys about Venga CBD. So after my first race in a while, I definitely knew I was going to be feeling it and had a few areas that were uh, particularly sore after after that race. So to help start my recovery process, I made sure to apply some Venga CBD's uh, recovery balm to those areas that were really, uh, really feeling it after the race. Uh, it's an all natural beeswax, ba beeswax based CBD for muscle and joint pain. They use a patented water soluble technology that allows the CBD to sink more deeply into the skin and provide relief faster and uh, provide faster recovery. It's enriched with both lavender and eucalyptus essential oils to give an added anti-inflammatory and anti-anxiety benefits. Smells great, so you're not dealing with some of those pungent, uh, pungent men uh, menthol and other uh, peppermint odors that can be really strong with, with some other balms out there. Uh, the recovery balm loosens sore muscles, relieves joints uh, no matter when you apply it, so you can use it to prep for a workout or to recover from it uh, like I did after my race. So uh, check out the Recovery Bomb and other CBD products by going to uh, vengacbd.com slash OCR Underground. And you can use OCR Underground 25 to save 25% off your first order. Or you can use code OCR, OCR Underground 50 to save 50% off your first month's subscription. So definitely check both of those out. Uh, but let's get into today's episode. In this episode's research review, we're going to talk about VO2 max and specifically how different intensities may influence on how much you can improve it. Now, if you're not <clears throat> familiar with what VO2 max is, um, it's also, also referred to as your aerobic capacity or maximum oxygen uptake. So this is um, obviously a really important piece of endurance training. If you have a high VO2 max, that means more oxygen is being delivered from the blood to the muscles to help support training. So the higher this number is, the better capability you have at that. Now, this is something that is partly genetic. Um, some people are just genetically going to have a higher VO2 max, but it is something that is trainable. So we can see uh, significant improvements in there based on the type of training that you're doing. So if we can uh, do specific workouts that are going to help deliver oxygen to the working muscle um, more efficiently, then obviously this would be a good thing to do for endurance performance. Now, um, 
this study, what they did, this is from the um, Journal of Medicine and Science and Science and Sport and Exercise. And um, they wanted to compare a few different types of training methods and see which one had the biggest increase in VO2 max. So they took a group of healthy adult subjects. Uh, they were not um, elite athletes, just um, regularly exercised. And they split them up into uh, a few different groups. They had a, um, a moderate group that would train about 50% uh, of their VO2 max. Uh, they had a vigorous group that trained at uh, about 75% of their VO2 max. And they had a, a near maximal intensity group that trained um, doing intervals at 95% of their VO2 max. And then they had a control group that uh, obviously didn't train at all. So they can see how these training effects compared. So what they wanted to try and do in this study as well is they, they uh, the study lasted for six weeks and they wanted to match volumes so that everyone was um, uh, training relatively equal, right? So um, if you were training at a higher intensity, you were going to be doing it uh, for less less time. And if you were training at lower intensity, you're doing it for, for more time um, to match the total volume. So, um, for example, what the groups did, the moderate uh, training group was working out four days a week, and they were doing 60 minutes of, of their um, uh, of training for 60 minutes of continuous moderate work. The vigorous group was also doing four days a week, um, but they were only going for 45 minutes uh, training at, um, again, a little bit more vigorous, continuous training method. Um, then the uh, near maximal group was doing three days a week uh, training um, using intervals, five sets of five minutes with a, uh, with a uh, short recovery uh, in between. And... Uh, what they found was out of uh, six weeks of training, the uh, control group um, actually uh, well, didn't see any improvement is what exactly what we would think would happen because they weren't doing any training. Uh, the moderate intensity group saw a 10% increase in VO2 max. The vigorous group saw a 14.3% increase and the near maximal group saw a 20.6% increase. So all groups, uh, all training groups saw significant improvements in VO2 max. Obviously, the more intense training that we uh, performed, the higher the VO2 max was able to get. Um, on a side note, another, uh, another study that looks specifically at steady state moderate intensity training um, saw there was no increase in VO2 max. And the reason I bring this up is because the study that saw no increase with steady state where this, we, we did see at least a 10% increase in, in VO2 max, uh, was looking at the population used. So um, in this study, like I said, these were healthy subjects, but not endurance athletes. In the other study that saw no improvements, they actually used more elite endurance athletes and saw no increase. And, and kind of makes sense, right? So there's going to be a, a limit on how much this low to moderate intensity style training will give you significant improvements, right? It's like if you're lifting weights and you kind of start with, you know, 100 pounds on a lift, after a while, that 100 pounds is no longer going to 
uh, lead to any any strength gains because you can you already have the capacity or the capability of lifting that weight. So same idea comes with our endurance training. So with your your running programs, this is why if you're just getting starting, um, either maybe you took some time off and are getting back into it, or maybe you just haven't uh, approached uh, anything like this before and you're just starting an endurance program. I would recommend, you know, getting away with as much uh, benefit you can um, without hitting those high intensities right off the bat because they're they're harder, more likely things go wrong, injuries, things like that. But we know if you do moderate intensity, um, when you're just getting started, you're going to see a lot of benefit from that. So that's uh, um, kind of how I would interpret these these different findings. Is um, if you're if you're new to this, you definitely want most of your training to be more of that moderate. Uh, type intensity, moderate to vigorous, you know, how they defined it in this, this study here. And then once you've kind of seen the benefit from that style of training, then you add in um, some intervals and things like that. Uh, one of the best or, or studies that showed the biggest increases in VO2 max uh, did a combination of both high intensity and kind of moderate steady state training and uh, saw some of the most significant. And I think this might be um, ideal where we have this combination. And uh, well, actually in that study, they would alternate between high intensity training of five minute intervals at a pretty high intensity. And then on off days, they would do steady state. And it was still at a pretty high intensity. They were basically running as far as they can in, a, in 30 to 40 minutes. Um, so trying to still push the, the intensity there. And um, over 10 weeks, they saw a dramatic improvement in VO2 max. But an interesting point to that study was that um, they were still seeing an increase in, um, in VO2 max as the study ended, and they asked if participants would continue to see how much longer it would, it would last, but um, the participants didn't want to continue because it was such a hard uh, training session that they just didn't want to continue doing it because it was too hard and they were burning out after 10 weeks of doing that. Um, and I think that is an important thing. So even if we know that you know high intensity uh, is likely you know the, the best way to improve vo2 max that doesn't mean low to moderate intensity doesn't improve it all depends on your background but we have to keep in mind you can't train hard all the time and you're you're going to hit your plateau much faster you're more likely to burn out you're more likely to overtrain or get hurt so even though um, this might be the best way on paper uh, practically may not make the most sense uh, so when you're designing your programs, I, I just think this is an important thing to consider. Yes, you definitely want to include some of these longer interval-based training sessions uh, regularly in your program, but I just don't think you can maintain that all the time. So not every workout can be held at such a high intensity. There's, there's a cost to that, and um, you're going to pay for it eventually. So um, my recommendation is always to have a nice blend, some high intensity work, some low intensity work, some moderate intensity, um, progressing when appropriate, uh, just so you can uh, look at this in the long term and you continue to see progress and less likely to burn out and other problems. But if you're just new and just starting to pick up running, maybe, for example, and uh, getting into racing, I wouldn't worry too much about some of these high intensity workouts quite yet. Um, you, you can throw them in there, but it's like, why not just get the most out of um, some of the low hanging fruit first and really build that base 
before you implement any of these um, more intense workouts and, and interval-based training. But um, I thought kind of interesting, few groups of studies there that, that showed, you know, really you can improve it in a number of different ways, just have to be smart on how you implement it. In today's Inside Mike, Mike's Mind segment, I want to talk about breath work and uh, the importance of breathing. Now, obviously, breathing is a uh, very trendy topic, and a lot of people are talking about it, um, implementing it. And um, sometimes, just like many things, it can be overwhelming. And maybe, or maybe you just feel like you don't have time to, to add something else into your training. So I thought it would be good and useful to talk about how uh, you can incorporate breath work and really not add a whole lot of time into what you're already doing. Now, of course, you can add, you know, meditation and breath work and, and really incorporate it into a lot of different areas of your life, which is all great, but maybe you're not ready to dive into something like that. And just want to learn how to maybe optimize some of the things you're already doing and really how breath work can, can help with that. And I always think it's surprising. It's, you know, you know, obviously we're already breathing um, and it's surprising how how poor people come become at breathing just for a variety of reasons. And when we look at training, oftentimes we see a lot of this improper breathing come out and how it really influences your your performance. Um, you know, watching somebody, you know, try and go on a run and they really don't even understand how to control their breath. And, you know, they do intervals and they're just immediately out of breath or they're trying to recover from an interval and they, they just can't seem to, to get their heart rate down and catch their breath again. So this is a, a limiting factor for many people. So it's always a great idea to learn how to control your breath and, and really make it work for you. Now, when we look at like strength training, for example, a lot of times it's, a, it's like breath holding. We have to remind people that you need to breathe when you do this. Now, there's a time and place for, for short breath holds. Maybe you're doing like a 1RM maximal lift, and it would probably be in your best interest to have a little bit of a breath hold uh, during that lift. But if you're not doing max effort work, there really is no need to hold your breath. And you need to understand how to breathe normally um, or within reason of normal during training because uh, there are problems, very significant problems that can arise with you constantly creating too much internal pressure and holding your breath and, and shooting your blood pressure way up uh, during training. And um, this can actually be a, a downside to exercise unless we learn how to control this. So I think from a performance standpoint and a health standpoint, understanding your breath, how to use it properly is going to go a long way. So I have four different ways that you can start to incorporate better breath work into your regular routine. Now you can do all of these, maybe just pick one or two at a time and, and implement them there. But the first one is really just making it um, part of your warm up. Now, I don't think you need to breathe for, you know, a half hour to really get the idea. A couple minutes of really understanding a good diaphragmatic breath, understanding what a full inhalation and an, a full exhalation is, using the diaphragm, not using secondary breathing muscles like your neck muscles, um, is really going to kind of set the tone for the workout. So doing a couple really simple breathing drills uh, prior to your warm-up or as part of your warm-up, I think is a great way to, to start your program. And this can take literally a minute. 
two minutes tops and it, it'll go a long way, right? So especially if you're heading into a workout, maybe a little tense, maybe rough day, stuck in traffic, bad day at work, whatever it might be, I think you'll get a, a lot out of uh, controlling that breath for a few minutes um, and then getting into your, your, your normal routine. So a couple exercises that I really like to do, uh, first is a, I think many are familiar with a cat-cow exercise where you're on all fours and you're taking the spine through full flexion and extension. Uh, it's great just movement drill to, to get some movement in that spine. And I think if you add a little breath work to it, it's going to enhance that movement. And we just sync our breath with each movement. So, so during extension, when you extend the spine, so during the cap uh, excuse me, the cow portion, when you're um, arching your back, lifting your head, lifting your chest up in the air, you're going to take a deep breath in through your nose, making sure you get a full breath. Um, then we're going to get a full exhalation. And I think sometimes people realize they're never taking a full exhalation. They're kind of almost hyperventilating, always breathing in and, and a very short exhale. Your exhale is typically going to be at least twice as long as your inhale, right? So if your inhale takes three seconds, your exhale should take at least six seconds to get out and just trying to learn this pacing. So you might have to count just to get an idea of that. But we're going to exhale long. I'll think of it like you're trying to blow out birthday candles. So you're going to purse your lips and push that air out, creating just a little bit of, of a restriction, which is going to really have to make you use those deep core muscles to, to fully get that air out. And then you're just going to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing until it's a little uncomfortable and you can't get any more air out as you go into that flexion piece uh, or the, the cap. And then we're just going to cycle through that like five or six breaths. Really, and what you're going to notice is your breaths are going to get more relaxed and they're going to get longer and longer and you're going to get better and better movement. So I think you get a lot out of this drill. Uh, the big thing is just sync that movement and make sure you're fully getting, getting that um, exhalation out. You can eventually even start to add some pauses. So when you inhale, you'll just pause for a few seconds. Then you're going to get that full exhale, pause for a few seconds. Again, it might be a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning, but we're going to get some great results out of uh, that additional pause there. Another exercise I really like, um, just a simple breathing drill, crocodile breathing. And here you're just going to be laying face down on the floor and you can rest your, your forehead right on your, your fingers and... Um, all you're going to do is uh, breathe in this position and you're going to be using the crown as a little bit of feedback. So if you notice you have a hard time, uh, you know, using that diaphragm for your breath, so you tend to hold it a lot in your chest and, and neck and upper back, uh, this might be a great drill that you can do because you get a little feedback from the floor. So same idea though, we're going to take a deep inhale through the nose. Now, as you inhale, we should see that expansion, right? As the diaphragm contracts. Um, and expands, it's going to push your belly into the floor. So you should feel your, your lower back actually rise up away from the floor. And then we're going to exhale all the air out and you should feel your lower back start to sink back down as the diaphragm relaxes. Um, same thing, that exhale is going to be long. You're going to get all the air out. You shouldn't be straining, but it should be a complete full breath till you can't get any more air out. Again, you can add pauses, inhale, exhale, um, and again, five or six breath cycles in this position. I think it's a, a great way to set the tone for the workout. So like I said, one to two minutes choosing a, a breathing exercise, uh, exercise. These are just two. There's obviously a lot of different ones out there, uh, but I think that's a great place to start start your workout is, is with some focused breathing. Now, the second area, um, which I think is going to be critical that you, you add this one in right away, is during your mobility work. 
um, it's it's funny to see how many people are are really like straining when they stretch and um, and holding their breath. Now, if you can't breathe in a position, there is no way you are going to improve mobility, right? So sometimes people get that you know no pain no gain where if you're not feeling a painful stretch, it's not doing anything. Um, you're probably not seeing any improvements with your your range of motion. We need to be relaxed. So we use the the previous breathing exercises to kind of see what your normal breath feels like. Now we're going to take that into these drills. Now I want you to um, go through whatever mobility drill you're doing, static, dynamic, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you're going to get into whatever position or posture you're doing for that stretch, stretch, and then you're going to see, does your breath feel just like it did in the previous drill? And if you feel like it's shorter, it's restricted, you can't really breathe, um, you're probably too far into that stretch and you're going to have to back off a little bit. Yes, I know you probably feel like you can go more, but remember, it's not just to tolerate a stretch. We're trying to get more range of motion. And if you're fighting it, your brain's going to say, I don't want to go back to this position. It made me hold my breath. It made me real uncomfortable. It, it's going to increase my sympathetic nervous system activity. Um, so we want the opposite effect. We want to get more used to this position, comfortable in this position, so it becomes the norm. And I think if you're breathing, it's a great way to accomplish that. So make sure you're adding breath work in with any of your mobility drills. If you can't take a full breath, it's too, too deep of a stretch. All right, the next piece is now with uh, some of your exercises, um, how we can incorporate it. And I have a few different ways that we can do this, but I think one of the big ways is if you're gonna include an isometric drill, I'm just gonna use like a plank, for example. So if we're gonna do a plank exercise, great core exercise, um, a lot of people will, will uh, perform it for X number of seconds, right? So say, all right, 30 second plank hold, um, you know, time it, which is fine. But I often see that with isometric exercises, many people tend to hold their breath. So we're going to incorporate breathing and encourage breathing so this doesn't happen. So instead of timing yourself for some of these exercises, try counting breaths instead. Now we have to, again, you're going to carry over. That's why I talked about the first breathing drills. That's what our breath is going to look like. We're going to stay as close to that as possible during these drills. So, um, Instead of doing a 30 second plank, I might say, I want you to take three deep diaphragmatic breaths while you're holding that plank position. And that should be, so that would be about a 10 second breath, right? So, you know, it, it probably won't be exactly five seconds in, five seconds out, but on average, it's going to look something like that. Do that three times and that's 10 seconds or excuse me, that's, that's 30 seconds. So, um, so think about how you can incorporate that, that breath into some of those drills but obviously, if you're breathing really fast and you know hyperventilating, three breaths is going to be like three seconds. So we have to make sure to get the most out of this. We're going to slow down our breathing. Um, in the beginning, sometimes what I'll do with clients, uh, just to make sure they're taking slow breaths, um, I'll say, okay, we're going to go for 30 seconds. Your goal is to, to, without stopping breathing, to take as few breaths as possible, right? So it should be just a constant inhale, exhale. So we're not going to add that pause in just because I don't want them to encourage them holding their breath. They're just going to breathe in, breathe out. They're going to do that as few times as possible, and they can really start to see how they can slow their breath down. Then once they get the hang of that, now we can say, all right, we're going to do this for three breaths, for five breaths, for eight breaths, uh, whatever, whatever it might be. So anytime you're doing uh, an isometric drill where you're holding a position instead of time, 
let's try counting breaths, right? Again, you're just forcing yourself to get some of that breath work in. Uh, another area that um, in, in terms of during your training to use your breath is really during any exercise. And I think most people have heard like when you're training, you're going to exhale with exertion, right? So if I'm doing a push up, I'm going to inhale as my I lower my body down. And then as I push myself back up, I'm going to exhale, which is fine, right? That's It's a great way to create some uh, contraction of the core muscles to help support the exercise. Um, but I don't think that's the only way to do it. So while that's one way, um, I think it's important to manipulate your breathing a little bit to show that you can breathe in many different ways and, and perform an exercise at the same time. You don't have to breathe out when you exert. It's just one way to do it, right? And in everyday life, you never know if you're going to be breathing in or breathing out when something might happen. So we're just going to get used to just breathing in general. So if you're used to doing that exhale on exertion, Let's see if you can switch it, right? So you probably want to start again with submaximal loads, nothing too crazy, just to get used to it. Um, maybe on your warm up sets and things like that, you're gonna um, do the opposite, and you're gonna inhale with exertion. So if I go back to that push up example, I'm gonna exhale as I go down, inhale as I come up. Um, so it's gonna feel weird, and you're gonna want to switch back to the other way if if you normally do it like that. Um, but I think this is these are all just making you mindful of your breath and how it can help help with your training. So don't feel like you're locked into one way. So those are two great ways um, during isometric exercises or um, you know manipulating your breath work during regular training that are, are great ways to um, incorporate breath work in there. And then the final way to, that we can talk about is, is your cool down, right? Just kind of forcing you to cool down a little bit and not just you know doing your laugh set and then running out of the gym, right? So it's basically the opposite of the warm up. You know, again, um, but we're doing kind of the same thing, right? We're just bringing you back to your baseline. So, you know, it's not going to take you much time to, to take two minutes, one minute even. And again, go back to those same drills, crocodile breathing, 90-90 breathing, um, anything. Just um, focused uh, breath work to finish off your workout, start the recovery process, increase that sympathetic nervous system activity. Um, real simple thing you can do without taking a ton of time to, to incorporate that breath work. So those are, are four really easy ways that you can at least be more mindful how you can use your breath work to help help with your performance. So incorporate in your warm up, always use it during your mobility work, um, during isometrics, during regular training, how can you work your breath work in that way? And then finally the cool, cool down. So uh, give some of those a try and, and see how those help improve some of your, your training sessions. All right, guys, I have a fun interview for you today. Um, today, I'm going to be chatting with uh, Crystal McConnell, and she's going to be participating in the 2023 Death Race. And I thought this would be a super interesting, fun, educational topic to kind of have her tell us about her experience and why she got into this and what she wants to get out of it. So, Crystal, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, this will be fun. So why don't we just start with this and let let our listeners know a little bit just about you and what do you do and and all that good stuff. Okay, well, um, like most people, I started OCR back in 2019. I think December 2018 was my first race. I did the sprint, totally fell in love 
with the mud and climbing on things. There was a big tornado storm that was happening and everything got shut down and it just, it sparked that fire. And uh, 2019 totally went all out. Uh, 2020, everything got shut down. And when that happened, I got involved in the endurance side of Spartan. And that, it changed my life completely. Um, You gain a family, you gain, you learn something at each event. Each one is different. Uh, And I came across Death Rays back probably when I was looking into Spartan at the very beginning. And that seed was planted. Um, it's not something like most people look at death race and they get really scared and they're like, oh my goodness, there's no way that I could ever like, why would anybody want to do that? And it just, it stayed there and it stayed with me and it kept growing and I needed the experience. And so I went for summer and that totally (laughs) miserably failed, but I learned so much. It happened exactly how it was supposed to happen. And went back last summer and had one of the best experiences of my life. Um, I love that mountain. If anybody has the opportunity to go up to Vermont and play on that mountain, it's do it, do it. That's all I have to say is just do it. Um, So I'm going for winter and that's going to be an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously the, the winter versus summer, that's a huge difference there. Um, so what was so when you first kind of got into this side of it, you 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 know said you switched over to more endurance. What what was your first was that death race your first endurance experience or did you mm-hmm. kind of do something to build up to that? I built up to it. So um I started at a 4-hour hurricane heat in Kissimmee, Florida. And it was actually in June, so it was a year that I had between the first hurricane heat and the first death race. And I remember Kryptea, uh, Ben, told everybody that we were going to have 1,500 lunges and my heart sank. (laughs) (laughs) I had two jugs of water, 20 pounds in like a broken backpack. And I was was like, okay, I got this, kind of. And as terrified as I was, it was, it changed me. It, It totally, it broke down barriers that OCR couldn't do. Like OCR is like that distance. Like as soon as you finish a sprint, you're done. Like that's it. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a wonderful, marvelous feeling and it's accomplishment and everything. But then there's the unknown. And it's like, what can these guys come up with that is absolutely ridiculous for four hours? <laughs> that's exciting for me. I find it very exciting. Yeah. Um, was there at any point, um, so how many people did that first one do you, about, do you remember? Oh goodness. I think there, I, I want to say there was about 35 of us. Okay. And I was how many team, made it through? I believe everybody made it through on that one. Okay, cool. Cool. It was a four hour. So usually the four hours it's team based. So usually everybody graduates from a four hour, 12 hours, a little bit more sticky. Um, mm-hmm get individual events and then you get points involved then you have the 24 hours which is I knew that that life started at the end of that 24 hours um and that's when it's more individual the points are a lot more difficult 
Uh, you don't want to lose your points. You want to make sure your memory's on game and you eat food the whole time. And death race is just, there's no rules. Everything's out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that makes it, um, you know, with all these races, you, like you said, that unknown um, definitely adds a, a different layer to it. So now with Spartan, you know, in all the obstacle course races, they put the, the map out and everybody wants, you know, is dying to see that map so they can see what they're getting in for. Um, but I have to imagine just, you don't know, you can you have an idea, right? You're going to be doing hard stuff. So what, what kind of mentally are you doing beforehand and physically to prepare yourself for just, just that scenario of just not knowing what to do? Well, physically I do a lot of burpees. Um, I started doing pencil rolls. I am a professional pencil roller. Um, <laughs> uh, I play in the rain a lot. Um, Every time it's raining here, I find a way to run outside and do burpees in the biggest puddle I can find because I find that amusing. Um, <laughs> I carry weird random stuff. I do do landscaping for a living. I've done it for years. So I have like that knowledge and ability to work for long hours doing like manual labor. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like training for hurricane heats, it's just, it boils down to being able to think outside the box, you know? you have to have your patience and it teaches you a calmness that you don't necessarily get from, from like the OCR side of Spartan. Um, you know, you can, you can train to run and I still run. Um, haven't been doing as much running as I should. That's on me. Uh, long story, but, uh, snow is going to be more snowshoes and sliding. <laughs> so hopefully that comes out to my advantage. Um, but you know, it just, you want to stay like have that same cardio and being able to carry weight for a long distance or a period of time, uh, for a four hour. If anybody wants to try a four hour, I would say, just do it. Just, yeah. just stand up and just do it. Um, you learn as you go. You really, you really, really do. Uh, let's see what else. But yeah, like you were saying, like the OCR side, you can totally train for that. You can climb ropes every day and you can train on monkey bars and you can train your grip and you can train, you know, how to, how to do that, how to go over a wall and get your heart rate back down to be able to perform better. Hurricane heats, you just, you just don't know, you, you don't know. I'm going into one tomorrow up in central Florida I have no idea. They threw a tarp and a ball at us. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. But I think kind of, uh, you know, your work and, and, and like you said, just um, kind of doing hard stuff is probably the most important thing where, whether it's like a more traditional training thing where it's like, I really don't like doing running in the yeah. rain or, you know, something like that. I just, I don't want to do It's like, those are probably the things you need to find the yeah. things you just really don't want to do and just go do them. Like those ice baths, <laughs> really? Yeah. Florida girl, I <laughs> water. No, but got to do it. It's yeah, just, it's the mental thing. It's getting over that mental barrier and training yourself to know that you can and you will. Yeah, that's Absolutely. that's. So okay, so let's let's go now. Your first uh, death race. Um, so <sighs> how? well you kind of told us how it went but like so what what happened in there and then what did you take from it I guess okay 
this is where they caught me crying. <laughs> First death race, the biggest learning lesson of my life. Um, what happens is, so I talked Yara, 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 Yara into <laughs> signing up for death race with me. Mm-hmm. And she did, she made it. She's a badass. Uh, I love that girl to pieces. But I think the nerves got to me right off the bat. So it was really hard to even get food in me prior to going. We got there. They immediately started yelling. (laughs) I had Dawn give me a flower. I was like, oh, a flower. I can keep this alive. I know how to keep flowers alive. Um, I was totally lost. I had to find my bib in the middle of the pond. My bib, of course, was in the middle (laughs) of the pond. And I was in there for probably about 45 minutes. That is one thing you don't want to do is be in the middle of that pond, whether it's summer or whether it's winter for 45 minutes. Uh, Water went warm. I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. I did find the bib. I found everybody else's bib before finding mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make it up the mountain. It was raining at this point. So that was another added adventure side. Got lost. (laughs) (laughs) mountain um I have been lost on this mountain now so many times that I know it forwards backwards up and down the whole the whole nine yards found a bucket in the boondocks during Mm -hmm. our event that was fun so I just got up to the top they gave me a broom I was like oh okay, I'm last. This is okay. This is a first experience of being last. Never, never kind of been in that predicament before. And then got in my head. And so when I got back down and everybody else had already made it down there, I just, it grounded me so fast. And I was like, you know, I I told Andy, I just couldn't do it. And I wanted a poll. And I think it was like four hours in and they wouldn't let me. Um, and so I continue to go and I'm very thankful that they, that nobody let me quit. And I still was in there and I made it until about, I think it was 4.20 AM, <laughs> 4.20 AM. And I was medically pulled because my knees got really swollen and I was just, I was tapped. I was tapped on so many levels. It was not good. I made it halfway up to the top of blood root and dropped my pack. And it gave me a good baseline and showed me that I can go farther than what I perceived and to keep going. Um, so I took a lot of lessons out of that first death race. It still scares, it still scares you because you just don't know. But when you go in again, you're on a different level with different goals in mind. And you kind of have more like the terrain was more familiar. Um, And, you know, that, that first time it just, it, it peeled so many layers of an onion that I was like, okay, this is crystal. This is, this is you becoming who you are and you're about to find it. And so I kept going and I spent the next year training for summer 2022. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, what did you what did you kind of focus on knowing, okay, I did it. This is what happened. So kind of what was your approach 
So that wouldn't eating. happen again, at least. Okay. Yeah. Eating, right. eating is, is huge. If you don't know how to eat properly, you should just tap out now. <laughs> like eating is a huge and eat real food. Um, anything past 12 hours, you need real food. Even to a four hour event, I take real food just because it's, I, I can't do the bar thing. Um, I'm known to swing macaronis and cheese on the fly and heat up croissants on a fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I, you know, doing an ultra and I brought potatoes, baked potatoes and yeah. I, you know, with oil and salt. And oh, I was good. like, I can't do, I can do a goo or, you know, something if it's mm -hmm. like one, two, but when I have to do it for hours, I, there's just no way it's like, it's hard. I'm not saying I like loved eating potatoes, but it made the biggest difference to right. have like actual food to eat and swallow and all that. <sighs> it's, it makes the world of difference. Like yeah. I, I don't even pizza. Like I had 24 hours at the top of Joe's mountain. I got lost for four. I found my way back after not being attacked by a bear or a moose, somehow grabbed pizza out of my pack and was like literally shooting rounds up and down the mountain, stuffing pizza. <laughs> Whatever it takes. I have a, uh, actually a colleague I work with and um, he's an ultra runner, just does yeah. these crazy, just, just running road races, things like that. And he'll always like joke. He's like, it's an eating it's an eating contest with running in between. That's all it is. It's like, you're just eating with like burgers and donuts. And like, they're just trying to, cause they're going for ridiculous amounts of time and, and miles. So they just have to eat and that's what they can get down. All the food. All the food. It's, yeah. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. So yeah, I took, I took a lot out of, um, out of the 2021 summer death race. And I guess it really just set the tone for what to expect. And, you know, you either love it and you want more or you don't. Okay. <laughs> and it's obviously I am going back for more. I'm definitely going back for more. Yeah. So, okay. So you're uh, in Florida. So why, why do you want to do the 2023 winter death race? So I was up there in winter for, I saw them. I saw them last year doing winter and I was up there for snow devil. And I love the snow. Like I haven't seen snow for probably about 30 years. And I was up there and everything was silent. Like there's spots on that mountain and it is just, it glitters. Like everything was white and the wind came through the trees and everything sparkled and it was silent. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and even knowing, like I, I saw Julie and I saw Bo and they kept on going and I was totally there rooting them on. But there, there was like that part of me that was like, you should have been here. Like, why, why weren't, why weren't you there? Why weren't you there with everyone? Um, and I think I was just terrified to be honest with you. I was terrified of the pond. Uh, I didn't know how my body would react to, to being up there and to being in snow and to getting in very, very cold water. <laughs> that water is super cold. So I wanted to test the waters as far as that went with snow devil. 
And I ended up doing 19 miles instead of just the 13, because if Andy and Don look at you and say, you're going again, you go. And so mm-hmm. off went back up the mountain. Um, and it, I don't regret any of it. And so there's just, there's part of me, if I did summer, why not do winter? You know, I yeah. know I can last the hours. I'm not worried about the hours. I'm not, you know, I, I like the elevation a lot better <laughs> during winter. It doesn't seem as steep summer. It's like stone staircase. You know, it's going to be that mile straight up. Um, I think it's like 960 feet of elevation gain. Like, you know, the trail system, it's up and down. Like you're not, mm-hmm. you're not going off way off on the other side of the mountain snow devil. And what they do in winter, it's more weave throughout the trees. So the elevation isn't as it's more gradual which is nice. And then I know that going up to the blood root, which I'm going to miss the pterodactyls, but, um, it's, a, it's a totally different ball of wax, a totally different experience. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, I, there's something about the snow, like you said, I mean, I, so I grew up in, in New York and, and love being in snow and, and having Lucky. that, but there's a reason I live in California now. I'm, I had my share. So (laughs) (laughs) it's, I lived in tropical places my whole life. So between here, Costa Rica, Hawaii, um, I never really had snow and I feel when I was little and I love that. I love, I love being on the ice. Uh, I always will be. It's like riding a bike for me for some reason, Mm -hmm. but it's just the snow. It's, it's beautiful. It's like deadly plants. It's like, (laughs) yeah always beautiful things ever and the silence mm-hmm. Man, I can't wait yeah <laughs> so on that topic um it's gonna it's gonna be cold and you're gonna be in extreme harsh conditions so what's your plan um for dealing with hypothermia um luckily I do know what that it feels like um, I know the onsets, I know it, when my body starts to shut down, um, the confusion starts to set in, my face gets kind of swollen. I'm like, oh, this is not good. The water, obviously, you start to turn kind of warm. You're like, oh, this doesn't feel right when I'm still in here looking for things. Um, so I, I did, I did test that. I was at the, on the AT at one point where it was like really super chilly and hiking. So I do know that layers are super important. Like as long as I layer properly, I'll be okay. Um, making sure that I'm not overheating and over sweating and making sure that, you know, I do let air in, let things circulate. I got to keep my head warm. I got to keep my ears covered, uh, gloves, they come on and off. Uh, I'm most worried about my feet, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) I know that I think Kelly had a bout with, um, was it frostbite? So it's really keeping the the feet really well taken care of, proper boots, uh, making sure that, you know, the toes aren't turning colors um, and no one to pull. I think that's another huge thing because, you know, you get in that, that mindset that I'm not going to quit and you're not going to give up and, you know, but hypothermia is a very real thing and that can, (laughs) that is, can be deadly. So knowing knowing to listen to your body and knowing when to pull also eating is going to be really important. So like you said, potatoes, I'm, I know that sweet potatoes are super good for cold weather and just warm liquids and 
you know, hopefully my fire seals come in handy and need to boil water. I, I have all that stuff always on me. Um, so that's knowing my trees, knowing to cut down birch and how to build a fire rapidly to stay warm. You have your mylar blankets and, you know, just being super aware of your surroundings at all times, because the snow is no joke, especially up there. Like I know how to follow the trails and where I am, but there's still like, that's a very, that's a very real situation that has to be thought through. You know, you don't want to get too cold and start to turn blue and then fingertips start to turn black and you're like, Oh, well, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, I I think you, you bring up a great point of, um, you know, kind of knowing when are you putting yourself in danger and when is your mind saying, well, this is just hard. And I know that's, that's not an easy thing, right? Like our mind is always going to start first. Like, I don't want to do this. This is hard. I think I should quit. Um, and you can definitely train yourself to kind of quiet those voices down and, and do things you never thought you could do. But at the same time, there's a point where, yeah, you have to listen to to certain things and say that, that now it's a health risk, not just yeah. a toughness thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, it, it really does boil down to to exactly what you said. And, you know, you're always going to have, it's like, you know, when you start running, you start running and you're like, Oh, you know, that first mile, you're like, why am I doing this? And then you keep going and eventually you can quiet those vices. But when it starts to get like your, your body is like physical, like your knees are swelling. Well, your knees, like even in the first summer, like my knees were going, they were tapped. I mean, they were, they were so big. I was like, oh, that's not, that's not okay. Um, you know, and just listening to that, because at the end of the day, it's something I do. It's something I love to do. It's something that I find joy in. It's helped me become the woman I am today and mentality and calmness and how I approach life. Uh, It will always be a part of me, but I still have four kids to take care of. Like I still have a job and I have my art. And if something happened to me where I lost all my fingertips because of hypothermia playing up in the mountains on the farm, like that's not the smartest, brightest idea. So it's, it really has to, you have to be able to listen to that voice and know when to pull. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's important. Um, Very important. So you, you mentioned a few things already, but um, what would you say is like your biggest like, what's the one thing you're afraid of, like going into this? And it might be something you've already said, but like, is there something that maybe they might have you do that is a challenge or? Well, it's definitely not going to be pencil rolls because okay. I have some <laughs> scars from pencil rolls. So <laughs> pencil mm-hmm. rolls skills, I got that. Um, I, I know, I think everybody's biggest fear is the pond. And it's probably my biggest fear because I know that that water temperature is going to be, it's around like 37, something like that. Like year round, it's, it's cold, it's cold. Mm -hmm. And like, you can train for that here as like, I can, I have a tub, I can fill it with ice as much as I want. It still will never be the same. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can even go do cryo all you want. And it's like, yeah, that drops down to like what negative 200 stay in there minutes, but it will never, it's not the same. It's not the same. And I think like that, 
that's definitely something that I'm scared of, which means that my ass is definitely going in that pond now. Fair enough. Is, is, what about on the other end? Is there anything like you're super excited about or looking forward to being able to do out there? The snowman. Yeah. Um, I want to build a snowman. I want to make snow angels on the side of the mountain. Um, am I everything? I th- yeah. like, even even the fact of getting in that pond is actually exciting. Um, I've never, I never really been to an event where I haven't been excited for the, for the, the whole of it. Like even, even the first one I was excited, like even knowing I was a nervous wreck, like I was still excited to do something like I'm, I'm facing fears. I have the ability to go and to participate and to do the best that I can. And everybody, everybody has that, you know, like I, I have no excuses not to like, I'm, I'm able, like I've seen, who was, I think it's, his name is Casey. He has no legs and he competes in Spartan races. Like, yeah, yeah. no excuse. Like there is no excuse that you can possibly come up with that. You know, you can't go, th- you know, three miles. <laughs> like there's just no excuse. And yeah, I think yeah. there's something that you know, is built up and made by fear. And it's like, okay, I can have this fear of this pond, but that's kind of like a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Just like summer, (laughs) summer death race, the rite of passage is blood root. Um, And I'm a firm, like I stand by that 150%. Like that's an experience that is a must. So, you know, winter, it's kind of like that is a part of winter death races, that water. Yeah. So bring it. Yeah. Awesome. You know, they're so going to do say, give me a sandbag, like been there, done that, like it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what if we fast forward? It's, it's over. You finish it. You complete it. What, what's going through your head? Or is it just blank from everything you've just done? <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't really know. Like to, to even sit here and to think like, wow, okay. I just completed winter death race as a Florida girl, which that name is probably going to stick with me for life. Thanks Dawn. Um, it, that's, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what would happen. Like, I don't know what would happen when they, if like I, I finish and they hand me a skull and I, I just, I don't know. I would probably be overwhelmed with emotion. That's mm-hmm. with you. Uh, it's never been about the skull. Uh, really like these events. I know like a lot of people, including myself at the beginning was like, yeah, I won like the, the trifecta and, and then it just got, it evolved to, it was more like, oh no, I do these for the lessons that come out of it. Like this is, there's things that I learn from every single event that I can apply. And then I turn around and I teach them to my children. And that's huge. Like, like to look at my daughter when she's complaining about, I don't know, brushing her hair. I'm like, oh, you got a hairbrush. Like it could <laughs> I could give you a fork, like Ariel, like, come on girl. <laughs> yeah. Like you still have shoes on your feet. Like I had my shoes taken away at one point in the middle mm-hmm. of 
in up in the boon <laughs> like you still have shoes like let's go yeah yeah so there's just i i don't i don't know i don't yeah. know and to be honest with you i i probably will just keep coming back and until until i peel that onion completely until i you know get what i'm looking for i guess so to say i don't know if i'll okay. ever get to that point um you know it's it's weird death race is a very very weird it's a weird experience that it's not like anything it's it really isn't like you can't you can't compare it to anything because of what you learn from it and how you grow as a human and then how you look at every situation after when you come out it's like you're there's like a calmness that's installed and then you're like oh, okay we just we just move we just go forward so you know to, to sit here and say oh my gosh i'm gonna come i'm gonna complete this like mm-hmm. i hope like hell i do like to be honest like i that's a goal like of course i mm-hmm. want to finish i want to be known as a finisher of a death race finisher whether it's summer whether it's winter whether it's I don't know, but I, I definitely want to keep going and, you know, eventually be considered a finisher. Um, that would be epic. Yeah. Well, you're just going to have to come back and let me know once you're done. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I definitely I'll ask you to text me like, Hey, yeah. Awesome. And then I go back for summer. <laughs> there you go. Never ending. <laughs> it does it. it. It's really, oh. it's. Pretty. Yeah. It's the journey of it. You know, it's just, it's where I'm at in the journey. And this winter is the next part of the journey. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Bring on, bring it all on, bring on the wood chopping. I did finally figure out how to not choke the ax. (laughs) You know, working, it's a work in progress. It's all good. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, any, um, any last words of uh, advice for anybody else thinking this or for yourself or, yeah, anything? Do it. Just keep going. Keep going and do it. You can, you're, you can do so much more than what you, all the walls and what your brain tells you. And there is so much more to life as soon as you let go of the fear of failing, like, I learn more from failures than I do from succeeding. So, you know, bring it on. If, if it goes down any way, then at least I learn. you, you adapt and then you keep going. So if you're thinking about death race, you're thinking about endurance events, you're thinking about, you know, doing an ultra, just go for it, go for it, do it. You won't regret it. It's, it's not something that anybody regrets. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird. <laughs> no, no, I think that's perfect. Um, so if any anybody listening wants to maybe follow your your story a little bit, is there any place they can go and kind of check out what you're doing, your progress, um, results? Oh, man. So I know that Spartan Extreme, um, they have all the information as far as like the peak races is death race. Spartan Extreme has all the hurricane heats. And I believe they do a gogi. And they do cover death race so that they have like the video footage. Um, they do like clippets and everything like that. Uh, and then I'm at organic live art on Instagram and 
you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, and I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes so people can check it out too. And, uh, and hopefully see, depending on when they're listening, how you've done or how you're preparing or anything that you might, might share out there. Well, I'm supposedly going to go to the beach and wear my snowshoes to try to like break them back in. I still right. have shoes. I love my snowshoes. That's going to be the beach running in snowshoes for. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, Crystal, thanks so much for coming on awesome. and, and sharing your experience. And, and hopefully this is going to help others kind of get out there and, and try some things that maybe scare them a little. Absolutely. Just, just do it. Do it. Who is? I think it was Maverick, right? Maverick thing says, don't think, just do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do that. Yeah. Start thinking, all goes to hell. Just just go do it. Live. Right, we're here. Exactly. All right. Thanks so much again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You guys take good care. Thanks. All right, that's going to do it for episode 97 of the OCR Underground Show. I wanted to give a big thanks to Crystal for uh, sharing her knowledge and um, her experience with the death race. And hopefully you found that interview helpful today. And of course, I wanted to thank our sponsors. Make sure you check out Venga CBD and the Amino Company. Uh, to help with your training and recovery. Again, you can check out the show notes for today's episode at ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 97. Um, That's it for today. Until next time, keep training smarter.